How do mermaids wash their tail? Yes, with tide. I'm it's only two weeks before Father's Day, so we, you know, you know the dad jokes are coming. Maybe we should have like a dad joke competition where we just have, you know, a couple dads stare face to face and just let go their, their best dad jokes. And the first one to laugh loses. <laughs> anyway, let's turn to the book of Ruth as we uh, continue in our series on redemption. And this week we are in Ruth chapter 3. And so we're going to read through the chapter and then we will dive right in. Ruth chapter 3. Starting in verse 1, it says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her daughter, Shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? Now is not Boaz our kinsman with whose maids you were? Behold, he winnows barley at the threshing floor tonight. Wash yourself, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your best clothes, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. It shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies, and you shall go uncover his feet and lie down there, and he will tell you what you shall do. She, she said to her, all that you say, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all of her mother-in-law had commanded her. When Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain, and she came secretly and uncovered his feet and laid down. It happened in the middle of the night that the man was startled and bent forward, and behold, a woman was lying at his feet. That would scare anyone. And he said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your maid. So spread your covering over your maid, for you are a close relative. Then he said, may you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. You have shown your last kindness to be better than the first by not going after young men, whether poor or rich. Now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask. For all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. Now, it is true I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Remain this night. And when morning comes, if he will redeem you, good, let him redeem you. But if he does not wish to redeem you, then I will redeem you. As the Lord lives, lie down until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning and rose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it not be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. Again, he said, give me the cloak that is on you and hold it. So she held it and he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her. And then she went into the city. When she came to her mother-in-law, she said, how did it go, my daughter? And, he, uh, and she told her all that the man had done for her. She said, these six measures of barley he gave to me. For he said, do not go to your mother-in-law empty-handed. When she said, then she said, wait, my daughter, until you know how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest until he has settled it. I'm here to tell you this morning that there is more. There is more to Jesus. There is more to encounter. There is more to experience. There is more to know. There is more to Jesus than whatever it is that you are currently experiencing in God. There is more. Paul, Paul wasn't joking when he wrote, God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine, far more than you could guess 
or request in your wildest dreams. Say this with me this morning. There is more. There is more. Verse 1 Naomi is speaking to Ruth, and she says, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you that it may be well with you? See, security in Hebrew, in the original language, means rest. Naomi wanted a life for Ruth that was full of rest, one that was settled, one that was well-situated, that had safety, that had hope, that had permanence to it. Naomi wanted for, for Ruth relief from weariness, Freedom from the wandering. She wanted Ruth to have a resting place. See, Naomi saw that the life that Ruth was living, where she was going out into the field and she was working, she saw this life and she knew that there was more for her. There was more to life than just working, providing for the family. There was more to life than just friendships and general stability. See, Ruth, Ruth was wrapped up at the task at hand. She was working hard. She was a hard worker and she had the field in front of her. Her eyes were on the field and she was working to provide for her little family. Right? Working hard, keeping your head down, doing all of those things in life that we know that we, we need to be doing. These are not bad things, but there's more. See, we have to understand that there is more to life than whatever it is that we are currently experiencing. As a church community, as a church family, and then as individuals, there is more. We also don't know what we don't know. So if you don't know that there's more, then you're just going to be content with whatever it is that you're experiencing. Naomi knew there was more, and she wanted Ruth to experience this. There are aspects to life that I don't know about, and I don't realize what I'm missing. Several years ago, I was in an airport waiting for a flight, and I picked up a magazine that somebody had left behind, and I was just kind of flipping through the magazine. And there were articles in this magazine of, of like the extravagant lifestyle. I, don't, I, I mean like the very extremely wealthy lifestyle. Not like, you know, I've got the, that, that, that uncle who's really well off, or, you know, I've the, the neighbor down the street, they're, 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 you know, we would look at them and say, well, they're rich. I'm talking the extremely wealthy. And as I was flipping through, I found this a hotel in Geneva that, that rents for $85,000 a night. One night. There is a hamburger that you can buy in Las Vegas that will cost you $777. There is a pudding that you can buy, an English pudding, at a, at a hotel in London that will cost you $35,000. I love dessert. Glory, 35 grand. There's a Lamborghini that sells for $4 million. There is a lifestyle that we have no idea about. I worked at a mattress factory long ago when my kids were very little. When we, we built, you know, beds, mattresses. And we had one, one division of the company where we built beds by hand. They were like hand-stitched. We didn't use machines at all. Everything was hand-stitched. They sold a, a it was, um, now the name of the, the mattress has gone out of my head. But anyway, they sold their king-size mattress for $10,000. I laid down on a $10,000 mattress, and it was as hard as a rock. It was horrible. 
Actually, the owner of the company bought one because he's, well, I mean, he owns the company, so he should have the most expensive mattress, and then he moved it into the guest room because it wasn't comfortable. Yesterday, we, were, we were, uh, went down to Seaport Village, and we were walking along the marina behind the Marriott, and there was these A-frame signs on the, on, the, on the boardwalk there, and it said, open boat. And I'm like, open boat? What is, what is open boat? And then I just looked into the marina, and there was these three boats that had signs on it. They almost looked like like realty signs. And I'm looking around and I'm like, well, maybe we can go on the boats. And so I went to the door and the door was locked to get down, you know, to the docks. And um, there's a guy sitting on the back of one of these boats. And so I called out to him. I said, hey, can we come and check out the boats? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You just have to take your shoes off. I'm like, I have no problem with that. I'm Canadian. We take our shoes off wherever we go. Anyway, so he lets us down there. We get down to the, the first boat and we walk on and we start wandering around. This, this yacht is incredible. It's got a shower on the back of the yacht. It's got in it's got laundry room right there. Then you go down it's got like eight bedrooms. It's or eight, it sleeps eight. It's got three bedrooms. It's got, you know, the master suite. It's just incredible. And as I'm walking out I'm like, "So, how much for the yacht?" And he's like, "Well, this one here is 4.7 million dollars. With the little tiny one in front which was like literally like a quarter of the size. That's a half a million dollar uh you know, tiny yacht. And then the one in front, he goes, well, it's used. And he, he, he had that, that tone to it. It's used. Someone else had already slept on it. He goes, it's two and a half million dollars. And I was like, okay, cool. So we just wandered around. Like there is a part to life that I have no idea about. But I'm definitely willing to give it a try. <laughs> if they're looking for volunteers to live that life for even just a season, sign me up. Right? The same is true in God's kingdom. There is more. See, there's parts to the kingdom lifestyle that we don't yet know because we have yet to see it and experience it. There is a supernatural power and ability that is available to us where we are not living yet, where we have not found that place in the Lord yet. This is a place where the dead are raised consistently. Now, we've heard stories, and I know that Renee, she shared stories of how she watched someone get raised from the dead by her dad. But there is a, I'm talking about a lifestyle where we just don't hear the story. Where we are the ones laying on of hands. There is a place in the kingdom where when we pray for cancer to be healed, it is healed every time. Not just every once in a while, but every time. Where, where blind eyes are open, where deaf ears are open, where, where people who could not speak, they can suddenly speak. Where we are seeing and experiencing creative miracles. A creative miracle is where there wasn't something and now there is something. Where God literally creates it. There is a, there is a, a depth of peace that is available to us where regardless of what happens. It doesn't matter what it is, how bad it could be, your peace is not shaken. There is a place of intimacy with God in the kingdom that is so intense, that is so close, so intimate, where people are, are with the Lord on earth one minute and they're translated to heaven the next. And they don't die. Just ask Enoch. He walked with God and then was no more. We are used to having a gospel presented to us 
that's really kind of watered down. That saves, this is a gospel that saves the spirit, but only hopes for the miraculous. Friends, the Bible doesn't support that. We don't just hope for the miraculous. Jesus said, you will be able to do greater things than what I have done. And we like to dumb that down and say, well, it's greater because it's going to be more in number because there's more of us than there is Jesus. He didn't say that. He didn't say, you will do more numerous things than what I have done. He said, greater because I go to the Father. See, he made a way for us to step into a place in the kingdom of God, into a place with intimacy with him that we have not gone to yet. There is more. And there are times in life where a Naomi comes along and lovingly takes their hand and lifts your head up and says, look, there is more. That's what Naomi is doing to Ruth. She's lifting her head up and saying, look, there is more. Many years ago, we were pastoring in another church and we had, we had invited uh, our, a spiritual father of ours to come and minister for the weekend. And we were doing good things. We were happy in ministry. You know, there's there nice, great things going on. And it, like, there was no problems. You know, people would ask me, you know, like, how are you? And I'm like, man, I'm living the dream. I'm living the dream. Our spiritual father came in, and through his ministry that weekend, he reawakened something in us that said that there is more than what we were experiencing. Our eyes were open and we were never the same again. It was almost like he, he opened the curtain a little bit and said, look, look what's possible. Look what's out there. Forever we've been changed. Never the same again because there's more to Jesus. But really it, it boils down to, do you want it? Do you want to step into the more? Do you want to experience more of him? Or are you just satisfied with where you're at, with where you're living and the measure of God that you've experienced? See, will you settle for good or will you push on to greatness? Will you push on to the more? Will we do whatever it takes to experience the more of God that Paul wrote about? See, it's free, but it'll cost you. And what it'll cost you is your comfort, is your convenience, and more, you know, your pride. Ruth had to decide in that moment if she wanted more, if she wanted to push forward or if she was going to settle for the life that she currently had. She wanted to experience everything that God had for her. So she had a choice in her response. In verse 5, she says, all that you say to me, I will do. So we've got to make that same decision, family. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what stage of life you're in or how long that you've walked with Jesus. Those things don't matter. God has more for you. It doesn't matter if you're 13 years old or if you're 89 years old. God has more for you. I was at a summer camp one time, and um, it was actually it was a youth camp, and we were, I was part of the ministry team, and we were doing ministry after one of the after one of the services, and then over to over to my left, I noticed this little tiny old lady, frail old lady. She was like 92 years old. She came walking in, and she came walking in, and there were people that were holding her arms because she was so frail. And she wanted to go through the ministry line with the rest of the teenagers because we had a line and people were walking through and we were laying hands on them. And she started walking through and I'm telling you what, the Holy Spirit poured out on her. She could barely stand. 
I was afraid she was going to fall over and hurt herself, but she was laughing and she was crying and she was just encountering the more of God. And I thought to myself, you know, I was like 25 years old and I'm looking at her at 92 and I'm like, man, I want to be like that at 92. Still hungry for more, still on fire, still desiring to experience and encounter God. I don't want to get to heaven and have God show me all of the things that I could have seen and experienced that I missed out on just because I settled, just because it wasn't convenient, because I was comfortable with where I was. Man, the redemption of Jesus opens the door to the fullness of God. So then how do we step into this more of God, the more that Jesus has for us? It's found in a person and it's found in a place. Verse 2 said, says, Boaz, who is a type or a symbol for Jesus, is at the threshing floor. See, it's found at the threshing floor, and it's found in the person of Jesus. The threshing floor in these days is, is where the harvest is brought in. They, they, they get the harvest, and they bring it to the threshing floor. And, and the grain of wheat is covered by a hard exterior, which, which is called the chaff. And so it's at the threshing floor where the chaff is knocked off and it leaves just the kernel of grain or the kernel of wheat. See, if we're going to step into more, we have to have the chaff knocked off of our lives. And chaff refers to activities that are unproductive and unprofitable in our spiritual lives. It refers to pleasures that come between us and the Lord. Not all, not all pleasures are sinful, but some of them come in between us and Jesus. Where we t- it takes our attention, it takes our focus off of the Lord. Chaff also represents the hardness upon our character, hardness upon our personalities, and hardness on our hearts. It's those things that keep us from getting along with others. It's those things that keep us from being a blessing in relationships, a blessing to our church family, a blessing in our, in our home, in our communities, in our workplace. It speaks of this reluctance that we have to press in. Hardness on our heart. It's harshness. It's that, you know, when someone cuts you off in traffic and you react, it's that. It's that stubbornness. It's self-protection, self-promotion, and it's pride. And we see it in the wall that we put up that separates us from the people that we love or the people that we should love. So there's three ways that chaff has knocked off our lives. And the first one is alone time with Jesus. So if we are serious about dealing with our character flaws, with the hardness of our heart, with our spiritual deficiencies, and we want to move on to more, then we have to get alone with Jesus. See, it's not enough to just be a face in the crowd on a Sunday morning. It's not enough to just be a casual attender at church or even a faithful attender at church. You've got to get alone with Jesus. So Naomi told Ruth, wash yourself, anoint yourself, and put on your best clothes and go down to the the threshing floor where Boaz is. Wash, anoint, and put on your best clothes. Washing represents the word. We have to have a strong relationship with the word of God. Paul speaks of in in Ephesians chapter 5 being cleansed by the washing of the water with the word. It is impossible to overemphasize the need of the word of God in our lives. The same way that it's impossible to overemphasize that a smelly person takes a shower. 
The Bible is how we know who God is. This is how we know his characteristics, what his character is like. This is how we know what he has in store for us, what he requires of us. This is how we know how we handle the difficult situations and times of life. It's through the word. The word tells me who I am in Christ. It's one of the main ways that God speaks to us. If you're wondering why you don't hear God and you look at your life and you never open your Bible, I would start there. Because he speaks to us through the word. See, without the word in our lives, we're much less likely to have the Holy Spirit point out areas of our lives in our heart that are not pleasing to him, that are sinful. Without the word, you will not mature in your relationship with Jesus. Revelation in the word leads to encounters with the word who is Jesus. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word is Jesus. Ruth anointed herself, which represents Holy Spirit. It's that need that, that we have in our lives for an intimate relationship with Holy Spirit. This is not just having Holy Spirit living in us. Like when you say yes to Jesus, you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit that Paul talks about in Corinthians. But this is also the baptism of the Holy Spirit where you not only have Holy Spirit living in you, but you are completely immersed in him. He is in you and you are in him. This is that, that gift of, 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 of speaking in tongues and in other languages, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts us of our sins so that we can walk in righteousness, that empowers us to do all these incredible things that God has for us. And then Ruth put on her best clothes. Putting on her best clothes showed desire and an excitement to be with Boaz. What's your attitude towards spending time with Jesus? Alone time. So do we dread it? Is it that thing that we know that we should do, but we really don't want to do, you know, like laundry or cleaning the restroom. You really know you should do that, but I really don't want to do that. When we miss it, do we miss it? Or is it just like, oh, I'll pick it up again tomorrow. What's my heart like when I come into worship as, you know, on a Sunday when we gather with our church family? What's my heart like? Am I excited to gather with my church family and to come together and worship and to seek the presence of God and to encounter Jesus? Or do I drag myself in here half asleep, you know, coffee in hand and my eyes barely awake? God will not force your surrender. He leaves the choice up to you and he leaves the choice up to me. Whether we will spend alone time with him or not, time in prayer with him or not, time in the word or not. But we cannot break the chaff off of our lives without it. We will remain hard-hearted. We will remain immature followers of Jesus. The chaff is also knocked off our lives by oxen and threshing sleds. If you've got that picture, you can go to the next slide. The threshing sled... See, he's standing on it. The threshing sled is pulled across the, the grain or the wheat or the barley by oxen. The threshing sled is thorough. It rolls. It tumbles. It agitates the grain. And it's really the primary way that, that the chaff is knocked off and is removed and separated from the wheat. 
Paul writes in 1 Timothy 5, he says, The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those that work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. See, pastors and biblical teachers, we pull the word of God across your lives. And the word of God and the pastor work in unison to break the chaff away from the people of God. The threshing sled breaks the chaff off as it's pulled along. The oxen step on, on, on the grain of wheat and it breaks that chaff off. Family, it's part of my job as a pastor to bring the word of God to you, to open it up, to teach from it, to declare what God is saying, to encourage you, to correct you, and to train you in righteousness. If every time that I get up here, all that happens you is you leaving feeling good about yourself and your life, then I'm not doing my job. Because we've all got areas of our life that don't line up perfectly with the scripture. And so if I just come up here every Sunday and I'm like, you're doing a great job, keep going. And you leave feeling good about yourself, then I'm not doing you justice. If I'm not leaving you a good chunk of the word of God to chew on throughout the week, to think about, to let Holy Spirit continue to challenge you with, then I'm not doing my job. Watering it down to tickle our ears and only talk about the things that we like to hear, that's just wrong. There's supposed to be times when the word is presented that it comes across contrary to your life. When the Holy Spirit is, as, we're, as you're reading alone or as I'm presenting it, as the Holy Spirit puts his finger on your heart and says, hey, that right there, that. You need to seek forgiveness for that. You need to forgive this person. You need to let me in that area and heal that brokenness. There are times when it feels like, it should feel like you've just been hit in love with the word. Like you've had something that's been knocked off of you. It's not a pleasant process. I'm not going to rose-colored glass this to you and say this is fun and enjoyable. This is not a pleasant process when God does this. It's like being wounded with the intention of a healthier life. Like if you've got an, inf an infection in your body and you need surgery to help remove that, it's going to hurt, it's going to be painful, but the goal is not pain. The goal is not hurt. The goal is health. And so when God does this, when he puts his finger on something in your life, you are going to say, ouch. But you need to lean into it, not pull back from it. I remember one time many years ago, I was in prayer and, 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 and the Holy Spirit spoke just so ever so sweetly and softly to me. And he said, you are performing for me and not being a son. He pointed out in my life, that an area in my life where I was living out of performance. And so when I got up to minister or to, to lead the church family that I was pastoring, it was, he said, that's a performance. And I felt like the literal finger of God was pushed into my chest and through my heart as he touched that spot. And I, I just broke I broke realizing that I was working for something that I already had, his approval and his affection in my life. And I just leaned into it. And the more I leaned into it, the more it hurt as he began to tell me where the root of that was. It's not going to be pleasant. It's not going to be fun. But you will be better for it. Now, when people don't agree with the word, or they think that the word has errors or contradictions in it, 
What's really happening is that the word isn't agreeing with their life. It's not agreeing with their lifestyle choices, and it's pointing out the errors that people have in their lives. I do not believe that there are any contradictions or any errors in the Bible. It is the infallible, inerrant word of God. And so when people start saying, well, well, this part I don't like and I don't agree with, it's because that part is pointing out something in their life that is not agreeable to the word. And we don't bend the scripture around our lives to make it, make it suit the way that I'm living. You bend your life around the scripture and you yield to it. We will never break the chaff off of our lives if we reject the word, the parts that we don't agree with, and if we reject spiritual authority in our lives. The third way that chaff is separated from our lives is called the winnowing fork. So after the oxen and the threshing sled have completed their work, the winnowing fork is brought in. And you've got this mixture of grain and chaff. It's got the, the kernel that's valuable that you want, and it's got the outer shell that, that you don't want. It's, it's useless. And so what happens is this fork is, is, is thrust into the pile of grain on the threshing floor and it's thrown up into the air. And the wind will blows across and it blows the, light, the lighter chaff because it's the exterior and it's not heavy into one pile. But the heavy grain falls down into another pile. Right in Matthew 3.12, Jesus talks about this. He says, his winnowing fork, Jesus, is in his hand and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor and he will gather wheat into the barn but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. There's a separation that needs to take place once that chaff is knocked off of your life. And this represents real life circumstances. This is the main way that the chaff is separated and, and our lives are purified if we will allow it. See, we can never be certain when that winnowing fork is going to come into our life. It seems it seems so abrupt at times and so contrary to our plans and, and, our, and our schedules and the things that we have worked out. One minute you're resting peacefully and the next minute it just seems like we're thrown up into the air and we have no idea which way is up and which way is down and everything seems out of control. It's because you're not in control. And how we respond to this process determines the outcome in our lives. Do we complain? Do we murmur? Do we get upset? Do we grumble? If so, then it just becomes another life event. It's just another thing that you've gone through and it didn't accomplish anything in your life. But if you surrender in that moment, you surrender in these winnowing fork moments where it seems like everything's out of control and you don't know which way is up and you yield to God, you yield to the Holy Spirit and you glorify Him and you give thanks to Him in the midst of it. Maybe not for that life circumstances, but in that life circumstances. We can always find something to be grateful for and thankful for and to praise him for. See, if we will do that, then we will be changed. Then we, we will be transformed. We will be matured and we will find ourselves stepping into God's more for our lives. Paul writes in Romans 5. He says, and not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proving character, and proving character, hope. Those struggles, those trials, those tribulations, those difficult life circumstances, if we will allow it, God will use them for good in your life. Now, you notice I didn't say that he did all of those things. 
but he is not a wasteful God. He wastes nothing. He works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to their purposes. The difficult, horrible, terrible things in our lives, he works them together for good. The good things in our lives, he works them together for good. So if we're going to experience the more of God, then we have to have the chaff broken off of our lives because it weighs us down. It dulls our hearts. It dulls us to the voice of Holy Spirit is leading in our lives. And it's the Holy Spirit who's drawing us deeper. He's drawing us into the more of God. But if you've got that chaff on your life, you're dull to it. You don't hear it. You're missing it. So it's time for us, church, to spend some time on the threshing floor. It's time for us to submit on a greater level. And you might be sitting here thinking like, man, I have submitted. I am yielded. There's always greater levels of submission. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be comfortable. But experiencing the more of God is worth it. It's worth it. In verses 6 and 7, we read earlier that Ruth came to Boaz in the middle of the night, she followed Naomi's instruction. She told her, don't go and make yourself known to him and say, hey, this is what I want. This is my plans. You know, will you, will you redeem me? Which we'll get more into next week. We'll understand that a little bit more. But it says that she came with reverence. She came with awe. It actually says that she came secretly or, or that can also be translated softly. She put Boaz's needs above her own. She waited. He had worked hard all day long. It says that after he had ate and he drank and his heart was merry, then he laid down and went to sleep. She waited. And then she uncovered his feet and laid down at them, waiting for him to realize that she was there. And this represents, this symbolizes our submission to Jesus. It symbolizes our desire for the heart of Jesus. So Boaz woke up in the middle of the night and he asked who was there. And Ruth said, it's your maid. This is, this is, it's me. She took that place of submission, and she asked if he would cover her. See, Ruth wasn't after his treasure. She was after his heart, and he honored her. You, you, get, the, you get the sense, you know, when I, when I tell you this, that, that Boaz wasn't a young man, because she, he honored her for not going after young men, whether they were rich or, or, or poor. See, she wanted his heart. Not all of his treasure, not all of his stuff, not all of the flash and the fluff. She wanted him. Matthew 6, 33 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Sometimes we get so caught up chasing all of these things that we forget to seek first the kingdom. The Father already knows what you need. He knows all things. So seek his kingdom. Seek his heart. Start watching him answer the prayers that you haven't even prayed, the secret prayers of your heart, because you're pursuing his heart. And he just begins to meet your needs. So like Naomi did for Ruth, today I'm telling you there's more. I'm showing you the way there. It's not a great way. It's not a fun way. It's, it's you know, it's not like a trip to an amusement park. This is... This is like, this is the meat of the word. This is the difficult things. But if you want to grow, if you want to experience more, this is, the, this is the way there. If you're comfortable with where you're at, 
That's between you and Jesus. But there is more. The way there is found in a place and in a person. It's found in Jesus, and it's found at the threshing floor. Would you close your eyes for just a moment? If you're here and you don't, you don't have a relationship with Jesus at all. Or maybe you're here and, and you did at one point, but you walked away and, and said, I want to live my own life. And now you're feeling Holy Spirit speak to you and, and say, hey, this is your time. This is your, this is your moment. And you want to say yes to Jesus to have that relationship with him? Just, just slip your hand up. Say, yeah, that's me. I just want to take a moment and pray for you. Yeah, I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus, that you have already responded. That you have already begun to flood their life with your presence as they've said yes to you. Holy Spirit, wash them clean. Forgive them of all that they have done against you. Fill their life with your presence, with your contentment, with your peace. And with the knowledge of you, as you call them son, as you call them daughter, you are mine and I am yours. And now, you know, with not a lot of, with not any hype, if you're like, you know what, I want more. That, that's what I want. I'm just going to ask you to come and spend some time here at the front seeking him. I want to have an opportunity to come along and, and pray for you. Holy Spirit's tugging on your heart. Then I want to encourage you not to wait. Don't, don't push it off. He's got something for you. Allow him to knock the chaff off of your life. And to draw you into a deeper place of intimacy with God. Whatever he puts his finger on and he asks for, as Shelby prayed earlier, he is worth it. There is no cost too great in exchange for Jesus and all that he has for your life. Spirit, lead each one. There are specific things in each one's life. And I pray that you would lead them to knocking that chaff off of their life. Lead them into a greater expression of the kingdom of God flowing in them and through them. Greater depths of intimacy with Jesus. I pray that you would release encounters with your presence right here, right now, in the night seasons as they lay down to go to sleep. Father, that you would fill their room and their space with your presence. They would encounter you. Jesus, you are the one the scripture says is the, the one that baptizes us in the Holy Spirit and with fire. So we're asking for that baptism of the Holy Ghost and with fire. 
that you burn away and separate all the stuff that is not of you, that kinders us, that keeps us away from you. Holy Spirit, do a deep work this morning. In the areas where we need to forgive because people have hurt us and we've been holding on to it. Father, put your finger on those areas in our heart and walk us and lead us into forgiveness. Where we need to repent for sin in our lives, lead us into that. Places of brokenness and hurt and trauma and wounding. Bring healing in Jesus' name. service. I'm going to spend some time. I'm going to come along and pray pray with you and over you. If you are a guest this this morning, I know know Shelby mentioned this, but there's connection cards or in the seat pockets in front of you. We just want to connect with you. So if you could fill that out, you can just even leave it on the seat. We'll come along and we'll connect it. We just want to see how we can pray for you.